Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHK as I'm known, and three things up for review this week. First up, it's Disenchanted, which is the Disney sequel to the film Enchanted. Then there's The Menu, starring Ray Fiennes and Anya Taylor-Joy. And finally, Triangle of Sadness with Harris Dickinson and Woody Harrelson. First up is Disenchanted, which is the sequel to the Disney film Enchanted, starring Amy Adams, Patrick Dempsey, Adina Menzel, and James Marsden. They are all back for this version, and they're also joined by Maya Rudolph, Yvette Nicole Brown, and Jayma Mays. And I very much remember thinking that at the time when Enchanted came out, it was very clever. You know, it, it knew the tropes and the, the things that it was playing off of, and it embraced them, and it kind of made fun of how ridiculous they are by taking Amy Adams' Giselle, as, as, who starts as a cartoon character and comes into the real world, and she's like well this is ridiculous but at the end of the day it's still following along pretty much the fairy tale formulas that we're used to so the question is what do you do with disenchanted because you got your happy ending at the end of enchanted and I, I give credit for, I think, what conceptually they were trying to do with this, where they're more going with sort of the villain stories, right? Where like, oh, well, what, you know, what happens to these people? But it's, it's also been quite a while since we saw the last one. And, uh, you know, I just, there's something about this that doesn't have the same fun to it. And I, I think part of it is just the uh, unexpected nature of the first one where like Disney is effectively poking fun at their bread and butter. But this one is is a little more messy and all over the place. And I know Disney has also been trying to do all their like origin story things with villains or, or make them more relatable. But anyway, you don't technically even have to have seen Enchanted in order to see Disenchanted just because like I said, I couldn't tell you a specific plot point from original Enchanted, like maybe a couple of them, but this movie also is just like, we're going to go over it. And again, because both movies are playing off of tropes we all know, I don't feel like they felt the need to go further with some of this stuff. I think the thing that maybe works about Enchanted is the character development and the journey she goes on in that there is more depth to it than what a you know normal princess story is. In this one, some of that is there, but then it feels surface and, and rushed. And yet somehow this movie also feels very long and we're balancing a bunch of characters. The conceit of it is they move to suburbia and are dealing with the shine wearing off of, you know, yay, you had a happy ending, but what happens in the ever after part of it? And they move to suburbia. You know, there are challenges with that. Their daughter's now a teenager or the stepdaughter of, of Amy Adams and Patrick Dempsey's character's daughter. You know, they they have a new baby, all this stuff. And this all gets established in like one voiceover thing. And I'm like, oh boy, okay, so what are we doing with the movie then? Because that could have been a whole great movie on its own. Anyway, it's about these characters having to uh, come to terms with that and how that affects them. And then the tropes come in and the the things that we're used to. And, and you know, I this is where I, so they didn't, they could have done it faster is actually, I think what it comes down to in getting to where they're trying to take the characters and make it more interested in, and have her differ from the Giselle we knew in the first one to, you know, a potentially tempted by bad stories and shifting the focuses. But the problem with that is they've shifted the focus in too many places. So basically, Disenchanted feels messy. You know, it's, it, does, it lacks a lot of the humor that the first one, I think, had, which was one of the best parts of it. You know, I feel like it's just phoned in, which is the sad thing. The music is good, but it's also not memorable. Like, it's, it's you know, very much the formulaic, like, cl- not formulaic, but classic princess disney etc music because it has the composer of classic disney princess etc music but the juxtaposition of that and the story that they are telling and not being uh willing i think to go further with some of like like enchanted did a good job of balancing the genuineness and then the absurdity of the situations this one it doesn't balance the genuineness, I think, or even the absurdity. Like, I want there to be more absurdity to the scenarios they're in, but I think I'm giving more time to this than it deserves. I think a lot of people are just going to put it on, watch it in the background. That's fine. I don't think that's 
bad necessarily, but you know, when they said they were making a sequel into Enchanted, which is a move that really surprised me with how much I enjoyed it, you know, the first time around when it came out. And then this is the result. It's like, oh, okay, fine. You know, I, I don't know what I was expecting. I guess the best case scenario is it would have been a, a truly surprising joy. But, you know, it's hard with a franchise sequel like this coming out so many years after. And it just, build up did not match the expectation. So I'm going to give it a 2.7 out of 5. I'm going to take a quick break and be right back. And I'm back. Next up is The Menu, and this one, uh, it's I really wanted to like this, and it's not that I didn't like it, it's just really inconsistent, and I think the marketing of it actually did not help. You know, I, I try and gauge things on, a lot of the times I try to avoid trailers because they set weird expectations, and because I saw the trailer for this and the expectations were so strange with it, I was like, one, I guess you got me, I'm intrigued, but I probably would have seen it anyway, but two, now I'm coming up with all these theories about what the story is supposed to be and when it doesn't live up to any of those but it's still in like a a, you know sort of tangential feel to that I'm like oh I kind of wish you hadn't just told me anything about it you know but again you gotta do marketing anyway so Ray Fiennes plays a chef who is you know located on this little private island and it's very exclusive dining experience and he has all of these workers who are live breathe eat sleep the cult of the chef which uh, you know, I I watch a lot of food. I think like we are we as a culture are obsessed with chefs and you know, the food industry and, and all this stuff. And it, it, for whatever reason, it is very compelling to watch. So I've seen a lot of documentaries and you know other fictional pieces about that side of the food industry. Um, you know, if you watch anything about a Michelin star chef, you see the the cult uh, and and sort of cult like behavior around them. So I think this movie did a really good job of capturing that. Hong Chao plays his right-hand person. I think she does a just truly amazing job. And then the story follows all of these guests who come for a very special and weird meal with him. The other thing I think this movie did really, really well, but the challenge I think that might be with it is it very much captured these tropes of customers who are all horrid in their own ways. And uh, the thing is, like, you probably have to have been exposed to somebody like that in order to understand and appreciate the accuracy of it. And it's not to say that, like, I run in those circles, but because I've seen enough of these things or because I've watched enough hobnobbing or been, whatever, you just, you learn to recognize these characters, you know, there's a food critic, there's just a rich entitled couple who's been to this thing um, so many times because they have the capital. You've got, um, you know, like Nicholas Holt plays just a food obsessed person who's taking photos of the food, but not not, not because he's like an Instagrammer or something like that, just because, you know, he talks about all the ingredients and, and is, is a fan of the chef. And then Anya Taylor-Joy is the one character who is just sort of dragged along to the experience and she is our every person. I think she does a very good job in this film. Everyone does a good job in this film. I think the script and the story fall apart towards the end. So it's watchable because of the accuracy of these performances. But if you don't know that they're accurate because you've never been exposed to that, you're just, they are, everyone is off-putting. Intentionally, but everyone is off-putting. So you're gonna be like, what, I don't care, I, who, what, what's going on? Except for you will care about Anya Taylor-Joy because she is our every person. I think that if you like food stuff, if you like thrillers, if you like, I don't quite say horror movies, but like tense thriller type things, and also just like a bit of the surreal, or, or you know, there's a lot of um, plot points in this that you're like, I'm sorry, how, what, what is going on here? That the film just asks you to overlook, and if you're willing to suspend your disbelief a bit extra, it won't be as odd of an experience for you. I still found myself mostly enjoying the film. The, the, the Just the ending for me was the one I was like, okay, this is... 
this feels almost like a little bit like a wrap it up, like put a bow on it. Like this will, this will be fine. This will please audiences or something like that. But I, I think for the performances alone, and this is, a, I don't, I rarely say that, but for the performances alone and the strangeness of it, I would consider recommending this movie. But if you watch the trailer, it's tangential enough to the trailer and you're like, I don't care. You, this is not going to be the movie for you. That's, that's what I will say about it. So I'm going to give it a 3.2 out of 5. The last film I have this week is feels like a spiritual sibling to the menu in some senses in that it also features a ton of very entitled, you know, ridiculous characters who are not the most uh, relatable, etc. This movie is it's very interesting in that it's what I felt like it's a little long. I will acknowledge that it's two and a half hours. It feels a little long. You're following sort of chapters of characters and, and the story builds the end again. It's good to review these in the same week. So for the menu, the first half of the menu, I was like, oh, this is really great. For Triangle of Sadness, I was like, oh, where are we going with this? And then about halfway through, or maybe actually not even halfway, but maybe two thirds of the way through, the story becomes something that I am, uh, I was just, I was like, this is so spectacular. Also, uh, you know, the, the movie, I feel like combines a bunch of reality shows or concepts that I love so I'm someone who I will fully admit I watch Below Deck and so a lot of this takes place on a boat and you see the class discrepancies between you know how they treat how the 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 entitled passengers behave versus like how the crew are forced to cater to them and all these things weirdly there's like a bit of America's Next Top Model in there in that Harris Dickinson plays uh, one of the first characters we meet he is a model his girlfriend is a model they got ended up on this cruise with the you know all these very rich entitled people because they are you know influencers and good looking and get gifted and experience uh Woody Harrelson plays the captain of the boat for a bit which is just I mean he's peak Woody Harrelson in this but none of this compares to Dolly de Leon who comes in I like I said I think at two-thirds the way through give or take who absolutely steals the show and then it becomes a little bit like Survivor that is the movie I, I want that whole movie I want hours of that movie the rest of it we, you need to get to the Dolly part and have it make sense. But I don't think we needed quite – like, we could have shaved a fair amount off – not a fair amount, but just, like, a couple minutes off here and there. And I think we still would have accomplished the same thing and wouldn't have felt as long. And then you get to really the most interesting part of the story. So for her alone, I'm going to recommend this film. But I think the rest of it's very good. Again, it is much like the menu in that it is very good at capturing these – not just imperfect but sometimes just horrid characters and so it's hard to watch sometimes because you're just like I don't I don't like you there's also just like there's a sequence in this movie it's uh, pretty much the middle that is that is horrifying I don't want to spoil it but it's just like oh just be prepared like don't maybe don't eat a lot before going to see this movie which is something actually you'd think I'd say for the menu actually for the menu I would say eat before you go to see it because I was still hungry during it uh and you know it made me hungry and then for uh Triangle of Sadness just be warned that <laughs> There are, there's at least a big sequence that um, if you are a, a faint of heart or have like a, a queasy stomach, like you're going to, it's not going to go well for you. But again, Dolly DeLeon, what a star in this, which is so good. I, I absolutely love her. I'm going to give it a 3.7 out of 5. That has been it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you could leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.